Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. They move the ball from goal to goal. You want to take it, David? I'm good. Nope, nope, you're going to sing the Miami Sports Pod. Win over the Philadelphia Eagles edition. How about them, Miami Dolphins? Clay Ferrero here, Dookie Lang alongside. Will Manso has the podcast. I was going to say the, the night off, but if you're listening to this, then it could be any time. Um, but, sure. you know, I, I think when the Dolphins got their first win a few weeks ago, I think, you know, we kind of sat around here and we're like, oh, man, that's really great. That's really cool. So, so good for Brian Flores and so good for those guys. They've worked so hard. Yep. And then we, we moved into what does this mean for the tank, what a blah, 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 blah. Well, now they beat a team that legitimately had the Philadelphia Eagles beaten the Dolphins on Sunday. They would have been tied with the Dallas Cowboys for first place in the NFC East. That was a team that was playing for everything. And this was not a like a win over the Colts a few weeks ago where Brian Hoyer was playing. Like, of all the wins, of the, of the three wins the Dolphins have, have gotten, this was the one, Dookie, that to me was, oh, Okay, this is not just a, a fluke. This this was a really big win against a really good team, and I get it, man. I mean, five and seven, all that. But I think a team that is good enough that could have made the playoffs and made a real run, and you beat them. You you beat them, and and I just I, I think this one just gave me a little bit different feel than the than the other two. Well, it's kind of fun to play with nothing to lose, and I think that this was a game where. The Eagles had absolutely everything to lose, especially with the Cowboys losing on Thanksgiving. The division was there to be had. I actually stayed or was hanging out at a hotel a couple days before the game. 600 Eagles fans were there. So their fans were psyched about it. The the stadium had a lot of Eagles fans. And uh, the Dolphins just decided, you know what? We're just going to do some stuff. And they were on a trick play. That, according to the players, Brian Flores had had in his back pocket. They'd practiced for a couple of weeks, and it turned the game. And then you factor in Ryan Fitzpatrick was fantastic, over 350 yards. Devontae Parker was outstanding. I mean, there, there were no defensive stars. This was not a defensive game. But the, down 28-14, Dolphins ripped off 23 straight points and beat a team that was trying to get in the playoffs. That says something. So uh, I know a lot of times when we do these podcasts, we're, we're kind of breaking down what we saw. And, and it's been kind of tough with the Dolphins because I think we were trying to put everything in the in the prism of, okay, what does this what does this moon move? So what I, what I want to do with this podcast tonight, Dookie, is what did you see – on Sunday in that win over the Eagles and and in totality now because there were there were a few real standout performances but what did you see there that's that's kind of made you think oh maybe they've really got something here moving forward so what can we take out of that game moving forward so we'll get to that in just a second but before we get into that our sponsor today Vera Motors when you spend your hard-earned money on a car go to a place with a reputation and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke, Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, it is Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke, Pines. So there are a few things that I, I think we could all look at from that ball game, and um you know, I, I want to start really quickly with what we've seen out of the past catchers. And there are two guys that really stand out to me in particular. And 
One of them is a guy who's been here for a while and was basically given a deal that, that a lot of Dolphins fans kind of raised their eyebrows at. And, and another one is a guy who was this close to already being viewed as a draft bust, despite the fact that, you know, it's only been two years, but come on now. Um, Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki. So with what we saw from Devontae Parker on Sunday, your take on him moving forward not just for the rest of this season, but when the Dolphins are actually a good, competitive, playoff-level team. Your take on him moving forward is what? Randy Moss. <laughs> no, you, had, I, you had to do that. No, I mean, that's what he looked like on Sunday. Honestly, you know, the expression has become, you've got mossed when you jump up over someone and you grab a ball. It seemed that Ryan Fitzpatrick, and look, this sort of fits in with the nothing-to-lose scenario that the Dolphins are in. When they're a good team, they will have something to lose. As a team that's, what, 2-9 and nine heading into today? Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's 37 years old. He's been in the league forever. He has the ability to just throw it up and go, all right, either Devontae's going to catch it or it's going to get intercepted and not going to change my life very much. I think two years from now, when the Dolphins are fighting for a playoff spot and they're 9-6 and six and this is the game that's going to determine if they're going to go or not, I don't know if whoever the quarterback is is going to have such a flippant, hey, let's see what happens attitude about throwing it up to Randy Moss, Devontae Parker. But <laughs> you got to give the guy a lot of credit. I mean, he is a training camp Hall of Famer who every year we look at in training camp and guys go, this is it. This, this is the year where Devontae Parker turns the corner. Devontae's got to figure it out. I mean, he's got all the tools. And every year he underperforms. And every year people say guys a bust first round pick out of louisville bust and look at him now look at what he did on sunday i i think he could be that i i just think that the the carefree and and fancy free way that they throw the ball up to him i don't think they would do that if they weren't in the position that they were in and I might be wrong maybe this is just how Brian Flores coaches maybe this is just he's a he he likes to gamble he likes to kick on you know onside kicks to start the second half he likes to run trick plays he likes to throw the ball up maybe that's his style but it feels to me that he's been able to have that type of style because of their record which to his credit look there are other really bad records in the nfl and they don't do things to try to win games he is and so i give flores credit for unlocking something that frankly other coaches could not in Devonte parker well you hit the nail on the head as far as where i want to go with this thing really quickly and and i'm going to lump in both guys both Devonte parker and mike Gesicki. but real quickly let me go over the last few games for Devonte parker Against Philly, seven catches, 159 yards. At Cleveland, six catches, 91 yards. Versus the Bills, seven catches, 135 yards. Uh, at Indy, five catches, 69 yards. So right now, Dookie, he's on pace for about 1,100 yards receiving wow. this year. And I, I think if, if you had told me that Devontae Barker was going to have 1,100 yards receiving this year, I would have been absolutely floored. And yet... We're sitting right here, and you're seeing him do that. So this is not a new thing where this just happened the last couple of games. I read up his numbers, but that's just that's just recently. He's had a he's been pretty consistent this year. Obviously, the targets go up once Preston Williams gets hurt, yeah. and you know you you kind of need somebody. But 
I think what Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, has done, not just with Devontae Parker, but also with Mike Gesicki, I, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And, and something that, that stood out to me is, and I think it was actually, and this is bringing up a sore subject for me right now, with, uh, but it was Virginia Tech's head coach Justin Fuente who said this when they I'm asked so, him about Our deepest condolences. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, we're going we're gonna to blast right past that. But he said something that, that always stuck out to me about offensive football because they would ask him about his offensive philosophy. What is your offense? What? And he'd kind of look at guys and shake his head, and he'd say, you know, my offensive philosophy is tailor my offense around my players. And, and so how, how can I put players in a position to succeed? And I think with Devontae Parker, Adam Gase and that coaching staff could never quite figure out how to make Devontae Parker succeed, how to put him in a position where you're utilizing his strengths, minimizing his weaknesses, because all players have some sort of weakness, unless you're like Aaron Donald or something. Um, but finding a way for players to play to their strong points. And I, I got to throw Mike Kosicki in with that as well. There were some videos after last year of Mike Kosicki trying to block people and falling down. What Sean Payton figured out very early when he had Jimmy Graham was don't make him block anybody because it's just not going to end well. But you've got a walking mismatch in Mike Gesicki. And Devontae Parker, you put him on a shorter corner. It's a walking mismatch. And so to your point, I think you do have to have the right quarterback who's kind of got that gunslinger mentality a little bit to throw it up and let your guy go get it. But there's also got to be that trust factor there. And, And so I think it's a combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick doing it a few times, and, and Devontae Parker putting it on film, and Mike Kosicki starting to put it on film, so that trust is starting to develop, but whoever the quarterback for this team moving forward is, they're going to have a combination of, these guys are getting confidence, that trust level just from from watching it on film, that trust level with Chad O'Shea, I, I just think those two guys, and what we've seen from those two guys up to this point in the year, if I'm a Dolphins fan, it gives me a lot of optimism that, okay, We've got something with these two guys that a lot of people considered to be lost heading into this season. You mentioned Preston Williams, and it's kind of funny because before you said his name, I forgot he existed. Okay, and you mentioned Adam Gase, another name. I think back to Adam Gase, right? When a guy would get hurt under Adam Gase, he had a way of sort of mentioning the absence of the player, who's down or who's hobbled or who's slowed in a way that wasn't exactly making an excuse, but it wasn't not making an excuse. So, for example, if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick were to have struggled on Sunday, Adam Gase would say something like, yeah, you know, Ryan's really, uh, you know, had a rough day out there. I mean, you know, when he had Preston, he was able to you know, stretch the field. I, I so so he, would, he would sort of casually weave in the guy who's not there, right? With Brian Flores, there's just new guys who show up. Sometimes guys who you, me, the audience, no one's ever heard of, but all of a sudden he just plugs in players. And next thing you know, Devontae Parker, like you said, rattles off four or five straight big games, and we're not thinking about, oh, they're doing it without Preston Williams. We're Mm -hmm. thinking, man, something's happened to Devontae. And I think that if we're talking about the seeds of long-term success being planted, okay, which is a different approach than you know, tanking for Tua. But if we're talking about laying down a culture or foundation, a legitimate next man up philosophy. And look, Brian Flores could be the coach of the Miami Dolphins for 10, 20 years, possibly. 
he may never have the type of roster attrition and lose the type of talent between injuries, which are legitimate, injuries, which are business decisions, trades, which are legitimate, trades, which are business decisions. He will never have a roster that is bleeped with as much as this one because going forward, they are building. This is the teardown portion of the festivities. So they're only going to be in the acquiring good players business moving forward. If he's not making excuses this year, when they're when this is who they're running out, they're on their fifth string running back. When when he's not, when they trade away Kenyon, I mean, you could go up and down the line of players who are not in the building. His ability to focus on the guys who are, mm-hmm. when they're really bad. I mean, they're three and nine, not because they have really good players. They're being well coached, and they're three and nine. That's the type of roster they have. But you don't hear that coming out of Davy. You hear that coming out of. Us, people who observe them. So if that's how they're going to be, if they can maintain that same attitude but actually have good players, it's pretty good. pretty good start. Yeah, and I, I'm going to kind of juxtapose that with something you said a few minutes ago with Devontae Parker and, and throwing the ball up there and that it's kind of easier to throw caution to the wind mm-hmm. when there aren't really expectations. I, I do think, to your point, that when you – when you don't have expectations, then people aren't expecting explanations when things go wrong. So there isn't the need to make excuses but yet they're because not a we all see line. them. No, you're right. Look, and, no, and, they, and, 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 and maybe I should clarify to that point. This, like all the tanking talk has faded. I mean, there are yeah. people who are who are still looking at their draft order, and that's not an unrealistic thing to do. But this team, think about their point. When was the last time you discussed their point differential? Like the, this team was a punchline the first three, four weeks of the season. We were thinking this team was going to be historically bad. They had members of the 72 Dolphins saying, oh, well, we don't want them to go winless. And now you look at them. They have three wins as of Sunday. They go to New York to play the Jets, who are horrible. They play the Giants, who have lost, what, eight in a row and are horrible. They host the Bengals, who have one win all year. And then they play the Patriots in week 17 in a game that may or may not matter to them. That's four potential wins. They already have three. Could you imagine if this team won five, six, seven games with that roster, the way they started, the way people were making fun of them? I mean, that's that's something. Yeah, and, and we were looking at some of the contract stuff before we started this. Devontae Parker, if you remember, it was kind of surprising when they re-signed him. It was even more surprising when we saw that it was a two-year deal. And I think everybody kind of figured, all right, that second year, I, I think they can pretty much cut him loose. And so if they fill the roster... Or trade with, him, maybe. Yeah, right. potentially. Uh, so it, it was a two-year, $10 million deal. And you're looking at that second year at $5 million, like, yeah, you know, he'll never see that, but they just needed somebody on the roster. Now, you're going to have Devontae Parker on the roster for $5 million next. She's going to be an 1,100-yard receiver, 1,100-yard receiver. If he keeps playing to this level, that's a bargain. And so it's it, it really worked out well. And, and give credit to the front office where I think they kind of looked at him and said, okay, if we structure the deal like this, and he goes out there and he plays up to the physical ability that that we saw coming out of Louisville and that we've seen at times in training camp, if we find a way to put him in a position to succeed and show off that ability, then we're going to have a guy on a, a really team-friendly deal for 2021. So put him on the list of players along with Mike Kosicki that if you're a Dolphins fan, you're excited about heading into next year because you combine that with uh, Preston Williams and and whoever else you might bring in. So 
Ryan Fitzpatrick is somebody you brought up a second ago, and uh, what I what I think we're seeing more and more, and I like I like looking at the little extra things, and um, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick is somebody who Brian Flores has spoken very highly of going all the way back to training camp for his leadership ability, and I remember Fitzpatrick, and I want to say it was in training camp, he made a comment something to the effect of. Devontae, I forget exactly how he put it, but he was making it very clear, Devontae Parker is a player, and he was somebody that that Fitzpatrick thought very highly of. So I'm watching the touchdown catch, and I want to say it was the 43-yarder, and uh, Devontae Parker is coming off the field, and you see Ryan Fitzpatrick run over and jump up and chest bump him, like after all the celebrations were done. And it just, for somebody who desperately needed someone to show confidence in him. Because Devontae Parker, there was nobody in that building for the last few years, it seemed like, that had confidence in him. The confidence that they could put him in a position to play well. And I think it's just got to feel so good to have somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick show that kind of faith in you, throw you the ball and things like that. So what I'm curious about, Dookie, I think we've all looked at this and you know, we've looked at Tua Tonga-Valoa, and uh, they're not going to be able to get a Joe Burrow. But whoever they end up drafting at quarterback, because I do think ultimately they'll end up drafting a quarterback in this draft. I mean, you have to consider Jason Sanders also. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah, maybe he'll take Josh Rosen's job at this point. Um, but if you draft a quarterback, assuming you draft a quarterback, isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick exactly the guy that you want to have in that building moving forward? Not just to... To kind of keep that 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 vibe, that confidence that these guys seem to have, but also to kind of transition to the new guy. Like who else? Who better to learn from than someone like that? And that, my friend, is the Fitz magic yeah. that you're <laughs> sitting with a three and nine record. I I don't know what his touchdown to interception ratio is, but I don't have the numbers in front of me. But he, I mean. They're three and nine, and we're saying, God, they got to keep that guy. That is Fitz magic. He can be, he, he, I mean, you're not the first person to fall for it. He has terrible career numbers. I'm sorry, and yet, I'm sorry. I got I to gotta cut you off for a second because you're right. But I just, wow, the but magic. I just, I just read something on Twitter from Simon Clancy. He goes, Tom Brady runs like an octopus falling out of a window. <laughs> and I just. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Clay. I know. I'm (laughs) sorry. Maybe I'm trying trying to keep up. You just pulled pulled a me. (laughs) That's something I would do. Come on. If you're listening (laughs) to this right now, does Tom Brady run like an octopus falling out the All right. Go ahead and make your point about Fitzmagic and why it's rubbed off on me and blinded me to No, no. You're not blinded to the truth. I think there's something. I think that Fitzpatrick's faith in Devontae Parker is definitely one of the reasons that Devontae Parker is playing better. And and maybe it's because throughout the course of his 20 years, Fitzpatrick himself has been discarded and thought less of and kicked to the curb so many times and has been able to maintain. But the magic of Ryan Fitzpatrick is that your team's record is terrible, but you love him. You think he's amazing. He His first pass of the game was an interception. No one remembers that. He threw what should have been a pick six in the fourth quarter, which would have put Philly back in the game, but they dropped it. But magically, it wasn't. And now you want to give him a contract extension. No, hold on that a is amazing. Hold on a second I, and by the way, you're not wrong. He's an amazing locker room guy. He's a super smart guy. He's a gritty veteran. He, you know, I saw a play on Sunday where they were near the goal line and Fitzpatrick was breaking towards the end zone and Philly actually had spied him 
they had a linebacker spying him. Like, team, the word is out that he's willing to go headfirst into the end zone. Like, he does whatever it takes. So, I, I, his character is unimpeachable. He is a he is the definition of a high character guy. He is seems like one of the best guys in the league. He's just not a good quarterback. I would keep him as a quarterbacks coach. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Quarterbacks I, I coach is fine, but not like 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 maybe a Udonis Haslam type. That's role, what I mean, though. But not where he actually plays the football games no, anymore. I, well, okay. So what I'm saying with Ryan Fitzpatrick is, let's say that you go out and you draft Tua. Let's say that you you draft a Justin Herbert. Well, you need to draft a second quarterback or have someone ready to go if you draft Tua. Well, I, sure. Well, that's like what, that's no, like Ryan, a real one. No, 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 I know. no, no. That's like someone Ryan Fitzpatrick, would someone be. who could compete for the AFC. I, it's not I, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, I mean, do you I, see that? And and see, this is where I think you're kind of taking this. And and I, uh, by the way, I'm not even being sarcastic. No, I, 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 and I know you're not. And that's where I'm like, I, maybe that's the question here: is where are we with this team after what we just saw? Like, are we thinking that this is a team that could potentially next year? Do kind of what the Buffalo Bills are doing no, right now and make no, a push? No, I don't. No, no. So why? So why would you have a problem then with bringing back Ryan Fitzpatrick for you? Because because what I'm saying with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm not saying you bring him back with the expectation that he's the guy that's going to lead you to the Super. I'm saying that what better mentor, what better guy when you're trying to build a culture, a culture of competitiveness, a guy that is going to make people feel at ease, like. It feels to me that Ryan Fitzpatrick is everything that Brian Flores is trying to instill in his team. It, hardworking. He, is yes. Like that. So if you're going to bring in a new quarterback and somebody that you – know, look, not that, that – I don't know anything about Justin Herbert or Tua or, or Joe Burrow or you know, what, their, what their work ethics are like or anything, but if you want somebody who's going to teach a young quarterback to be a pro and also lift up the locker room and, and make guys feel at ease, I guess – what better guy? Why wouldn't you want to bring him back? Because you would want to do better. <laughs> I mean, that I, it's 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 about numbers. I, I understand. Like he's to to borrow a heat term or a popular sports term, he's a culture guy. And the one thing that you could say about the 2019 Miami Dolphins is that their heart and their effort is greater than their talent. They always play hard. They don't quit. Those are amazing things to say. But it's so much better to be good and do all of those things. And, you know, sure, I guess as a backup, but I would only keep him as a backup with the idea that the guy you draft is going to play all 16 games and you never have to use him. If you draft Tua, you throw an added layer of intrigue because of the injury. He's coming back from the injury. When's he going to be back from the injury? How is his recovery from the injury going to affect his ability to start on day one. If they draft a quarterback who's ready to go on day one, I feel less bad about keeping Fitzpatrick. So it sort of adds an extra layer of complication to it, to his injury. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily commenting that Tua can't go on to have a good career, although I'm a little skeptical based on his injury history. But I am saying that in terms of game one in next September for the Miami Dolphins, if they draft Tua Tagovailoa. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is their backup. I'm a little concerned that you're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick starting the first four or five games, and you're going to have another Josh Rosen situation with a, with someone more talented. Like, and then and then by the way, if you do that, let's say they throw some money at Fitz, what are they going to do with Rosen? Make him a highly paid third string quarterback? Well, I think that goes back to your point about if you're to bring in a Tua and you want to have somebody just in case he's not ready to yeah. go. But yeah, I I don't think I I, I think if if Josh Rosen isn't isn't going to have a spot on this roster. Somebody's going to want him. And, yeah, maybe you end up taking back a draft pick that's lower than the one that you gave up for him. But I don't think 
given the totality of all the moves that they've made and the and the draft capital that they've acquired, so take take the L on that. Take the L. Yeah. If if ultimately you decide we really like Justin Herbert, and and this is where where I, I think that the distinction is between what they would be doing with Josh Rosen and Fitzpatrick versus whoever the new quarterback would be and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think we all viewed Josh Rosen coming in here as a flyer. It was a yeah. low-risk flyer, and I don't think they were ever committed to him. And I think the actions bore that out. And look, if he had come in and set the world on fire and, and blown everybody away, and yeah, I think they would have then committed to him. But the commitment was never there. If they're going to go out and draft a quarterback in the first round, they're committed. Like, like they're, they've got the wedding ring on. They're yeah. ready to move forward. And so I, I think that would be the difference that if something were to happen – did I slander Fitzpatrick? By the way, I I don't want to commit Fitzpatrick slander. No, here. I know I because I, I actually I just want to make clear I like him as a human being. No. I like and by the <clears throat> way I like the things that he epitomizes: hard work, grit, never giving up, the ability to have longevity. I just think that if it were my team and I wanted to be good, I wouldn't roll out Ryan Fitzpatrick. I no. just that's and I know that's I know I'm sort of you know. With all due respecting him, because when you say with all due respect, you're giving no respect. I respect him as a person. I just don't think he's the greatest quarterback. No, that's, that's I, really how I feel. About no, him. you're not disrespecting him. I think we may have a, uh, we may have our wires crossed on what role yeah. we may have viewed him in. When when I said that, as far as giving him a new contract to bring him back, I'm just saying don't let him walk out of the building after this year. No, when you're put trying him to in a, put him culture. in a polo, put him in a polo, put him in a polo. You you just want him coaching. But what I'm saying though is. <laughs> Look at the backup quarterbacks around the league. I mean, it ain't pretty. The Saints were really fortunate to have Teddy Bridgewater, but the reason why they had Teddy Bridgewater is because there were still a lot of questions about him because of the injury and would he ever be the player that he was in Minnesota? Um, would he ever come back from that knee injury? So the not a lot of teams have good backup quarterbacks, and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick – you could do a lot worse just from a pure take out the leadership quality just from a, a pure football perspective. You can do a lot worse for a backup quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. You add in the element of his leadership and being able to keep a locker room heading in the direction that Brian Flores wants. I just think it's a no-brainer. All right, I'm going to throw you a curveball. The two best quarterbacks that the Miami Dolphins have had since Dan Marino are blank. Because I, I have two in mind, and, and it sort of ties into this conversation. Jay Fiedler and Chad Pennington? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Jay Fiedler, the last offense quarterback to win a playoff game. Chad Pennington, the last offense quarterback to win a division. Although apparently Ryan Tannehill has turned into Tom Brady's right. circa so 2007 that, that's a good point, right now, but, which is a different story. But go ahead. No, but, but, but both of those guys had similar leadership qualities as Ryan Fitzpatrick, but they were better quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay. Chad Pennington, the year that, that that he led the Dolphins to the playoffs, never had a good arm, but was awesome. Didn't make mistakes. Led the team. They were better. You know, the the whole was better than the sum of the parts. That was a big deal. Okay. Jay Fiedler was good. People forget how good Jay Fiedler was as a Miami Dolphins quarter. He won a playoff game. Okay. He, and and. He, it wasn't like accidental. He wasn't like in the driver's seat in some epic defense. That no, he was a good quarterback. So I, I think the standard has to be raised, and I do believe that whoever it is that they do take in the draft is going to be the elevation of the standard. Um, if it comes to now, if it comes down to a question of Fitzpatrick or Rosen, and like you said, the only difference is a draft pick. I understand. I just I I genuinely, as much as I'm enjoying 
the year of Fitzpatrick. Like I'm enjoying the year of Fitzpatrick more than I'm enjoying the year I enjoyed the year of Cutler, right? Jay Cutler <laughs> was a veteran. Jay Cutler was a guy who who was supposed to be the culture of the head coach, and Jay Cutler was a knucklehead. Right, I, I remember I, us going on Sports Sunday. T- tell that me, night. tell me about his introductory news conference, if you can. You know what's funny? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't take it the way a lot of people took it, and and I still don't. He came in and and he made the comment. Somebody asked him, "So are you in? Are you in shape? Are you in football shape?" He's like, "Well, I mean, I play quarterback. I don't really have to be in shape." And oh, that wasn't even what I was hoping you would share. Which one? <laughs> Oh, is that is that a uh, pod worthy story or? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's fine. Because I love he, it. Well, I, I mean, it's not giving away any sort of like. <laughs> I love. I love. Okay, it. this well, tells me like, everything you need to know about about Jay Cutler, and I love the story. It has nothing to do with anything, well, but it's great. The way I tell the story, it's also going to tell you, tell you everything you need to know about Dookie. Um, so we're at this. <laughs> we're at the introductory news conference now I'm for scared. Jay Cutler, and. I get up and, you know, whenever we do these sorts of things, then you start to rush and it's like, okay, we got to do this, this, and this. We have to be on live for this. And I'm blah, yelling blah, blah. at you in your phone. Yeah, dude, he's yelling at me. And I walk by the back of the podium to go outside and I see a phone sticking out of the, out of the, uh, out of the podium. And like, I look and it, it, he, he, somebody, whoever's phone it was had just gotten a text message. And so the background lights up. And, and, and I, I think I'm getting this right, but it was Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari on the on the background, on the wallpaper. <laughs> Jay Cutler left his phone in the podium. <laughs> his first Dolphins his fumble f- was recovered by Clay. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so I called Dolphins PR and I was like, hey, you may want to come down here and get this. Um, but the, <laughs> the funniest I lo- thing. Was, I love every part of this story. Well, and here's the part I love was. I, I like I text you and Will and I say hey you guys well this was funny this happened and and of course Dookie's first response is well what was in his phone you looked at his phone right like you opened it I'm like yeah no, I didn't open his phone of course you do so what is that <laughs> you say it tells you everything you need to know about Jay Cutler I think it tells people more about you well I'll tell you I'll tell you a sim- I'll tell you a similar story Jarvis Landry came to our studio uh, when he was on the Dolphins and he did an interview. <sighs> Strongest handshake I've ever felt. His ha- no wonder he doesn't drop anything. The guy's hands are like rocks. So he does the interview and he forgets his cell phone back on the set. And he goes out to the car, I guess the driver, t- and he came back. And I'm holding his phone and I'm like, I'm thinking like, damn, can I get Odell Beckham's number? <laughs> but then I, I like, you know, I was trying, I was like trying to look at it, but not look at it. So I, you know, I, I erred on the side of not looking at well, it. Because- well, by w- what you mean by that is that it had a lock on the phone. You tried really hard. No, and- no, no. Cause it was lighting up like a Christmas tree every few seconds. So I'm like peeking and it was like, you know, but, but I didn't want to overdo it. That's so. funny. That's funny. It's funny. I kind of forgotten about that until you. I, I, it's my favorite Jay Cutler story, but the point is, um, no, I, I remember us going showed on, a lot on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I remember us, <laughs> I remember us going on air the night, the sports Sunday. I, I can't remember the dates, but it was the, the sports Sunday after the signing became official or, you know, as close to official as, as you can. And, uh, I remember I made a comment like, well, I don't know if the dolphins are going to be good, but they're not going to be boring. Yeah. And sure enough, they were the most boring team. <laughs> it was Ever. Just so Ever. bad. And um, meanwhile, Fitzmagic. That, yeah, by I, the way, that look, was my favorite not, part of Sunday was that it was fun. Sunday's game against the Eagles was super fun and entertaining. And I give the Dolphins credit for that. And, and I guess that's where I'm coming from with the with the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. I'm not saying that he's going to be the guy that come in, comes in in 2020 and 
you know, if you're if you're struggling with your rookie quarterback, he's going to lead you to the playoffs and unseat Tom Brady, who apparently runs like an octopus falling out of a window. <laughs> um, but w- what I think is got me the third time with that one. Brian, <laughs> Brian Flores is very clearly, and I think successfully to this point, instilling a culture in this team. Twenty twenty is a different year, and I think we all expect a lot of roster turnover. And players that are going to be new, players that are going to be leaving, and you're going to need players who are leaders. And what I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, who Ryan Fitzpatrick is, he's he's not a rah-rah leader. He's someone who who leads with his demeanor, with his preparation, and being a calming influence. And I think sometimes in football, and I think we saw this, frankly, with Adam Gase when he was here, that it was just too intense, that everything in Davy was just way too over the top, way too intense. And when things went wrong, you didn't have somebody to come in and calm the waters. But don't you love Jimmy Butler? I do. I do. So and what's I the do difference? think well, I think that there's something different when you're talking about heat culture that has been built already and you're bringing in somebody who I think embodies everything that you're trying to get across to your players. I think there's I think with Butler You've got somebody, you've got Eric Spolstra who can, when necessary, step in and kind of do all that stuff. Um, but I also think Jimmy Butler's a different, a different type of intense. Like, I, I don't, if you watch him during the game, he's not the guy that's going to consistently be like jumping up and down and, and going crazy. I think his intensity is in his work ethic. Um, whereas with, with Adam Gase, I remember, I, look, that regime actively sought out players they would send out scouts and what they wanted to know from from their scouts was hey do your guys did the guys that were scouting for the draft did they talk trash in practice you know are they smack talkers and and they wanted a lot of those guys on their team and until, by the way until they didn't well and that's the thing is then i remember and I, I remember this so so clearly i was in the room i would say about two weeks before jay ajayi was traded and there was something that happened, and Ajayi flipped out on the sideline. And, you know, nothing like out of the north. It was just a, was that a frustration London? play. Was that in London? He was mad. I remember he got mad in London. You might be right. I can't remember the exact Because he went home, game. and they had a little kerfuffle you on might the sideline. Right. You might be right. Yeah. Um, he wanted more carries. But, but I remember very distinctly, like, I walk into the news conference, and I'm sitting there, and somebody asked Adam Gase about it. And he said... Look, there are three hotheads on this team. Jay Ajayi, Jarvis Landry, and me. We said their numbers. He didn't say their names. Uh, and, you know, he, he basically was kind of putting himself out there as, you know, that's who I am and, and that's who they are and we'll sit down and we'll have these discussions and, and all that. But then ultimately, when things went wrong, you have a bunch of hotheads on the team and, and there's nobody to kind of – Settle everything down. You need a balance, and and so what I think Ryan Fitzpatrick does, and and by the way, I think I think Flores has kind of done a good job because you've got certain guys on this team who are fiery. I mean, I, McCain's a fiery guy, and um, Rashad Jones at times could be a fiery guy, and I think Christian Wilkins is somebody. I mean, we we posted a video of him pointing and laughing in the face of every Philadelphia Eagles player he could find after the trick play touchdown. You've got players on that team that are fiery, but football by its nature is an intense sport. And I think sometimes you need somebody who's kind of been there. So 
and I, and I get your point that okay, fine, then you make him a coach. But I think there's just something there's something a little different when you're a player and you're you're there in the room, you're stuttering, studying the plays, and um, so yeah, I I just think that after what we've seen in 2019, where the expectations were so low, and we've seen such progress with players and and the team in general. Ryan Fitzpatrick is somebody I'd like to see on this team moving forward because I think he he's kind of everything that that Brian Flores wants, whoever the next quarterback to be. About. I mean, keep, the word progress, right? I I, I I was reading some people discussing on social media the idea that maybe Brian Flores is the coach of the year, coach of the year, three wins, coach of the year. Let's 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 relax. Like I think I think it he should be admired for the fact that some of his personality traits have seemingly been transitioned to his team, which is what you want. You want a team that looks like the coach and talks like the coach and acts like the coach and is the co- the personification of the coach on the field. That is that is what you want. That When you start to hear players use the same language as the coach, then the coach is getting in their heads correctly. So that's good. And I mean, to this day, if you ever listen to LeBron James do an interview, he still uses hedonisms, talking about someone's winning DNA and all, all that sort of stuff. So so that is positive. There are positive signs. The trick play on Sunday was awesome. And it was awesome for a couple reasons. It was awesome because it worked. It was awesome because they tried it. And it was awesome because personally, I think that Brian Flores had a vendetta against <laughs> the Philly special and he wanted to pull out his own trick play and he had it for three weeks and he has a long memory and he is going to get you back. I hope that's why he did it. I hope vengeance. I want a vengeful coach. I want a coach who never forgets a loss and wants to stick it back to you. So all of that is great. But dude won three games. Let's not crown him yet. Because if he wins three games next year and he wins games three games the year after, we're not going to be calling him the coach of the year. We're going to be calling him ex-Dolphins head coach Brian Flores. And you know who else won coach of the year? Dave Wonstadt. Dave Wonstadt still with Miami Dolphins? No. So coach of the year at three wins, this is a this is where I draw the line. I'm really excited that, that he seems to be a lot of good things. But as I learned with Manny Diaz, until they actually start winning football games, let's not get excited until the we start to see a multitude of wins. Let's not get excited about 3 and 9. Let's not be excited about 6 and 6. Let's wait. Well, let's not take like it, it's like when I used to be in the dating world. If if a girl would say hi to me, all of a sudden, "Oh, she likes me." Relax. Let her actually like you. Let them actually do something. That's all I'm saying. So in other words, don't listen to any of this podcast. Uh, that's what I'm telling you, 38 minutes. No, I, I, there are good signs and we should recognize them, but like, let's not crown anybody anything. So, so let's put a bow on this. Okay. Then uh, just to be clear, cause I'm with you, by the way, I, I well, think, just, I listen, I, I don't want people the Manny to think- Diaz stuff. Everybody, everybody fell in love with Manny yeah. Diaz and everybody called me like a wet blanket because I said, Hey, everybody loves Manny Diaz, but if they lose to the Gators, all of a sudden, all that offseason stuff's not going to be important, and they lost to the Gators and have been terrible this year. And so, as much as I want to like Brian Flores, I want to like him, but my bar is a little bit higher than three wins in progress. I don't think losing to the Gators was the problem as much well, as no. losing to FIU. Yeah, no, and Duke to back Duke, down. Right, but a lot of, a lot of the losses. But, my yes. But Dude, the, just so people yes, are clear on yes. this. Just so people are clear. I really, we're, we're, I'm mad we're, about the Canes. We're doing, get it out. We're, we're doing a happy Dolphins podcast <laughs> because I think there are some signs... Some things to be optimistic about. That does not mean that we 
<laughs> that were like throwing out there that Brian Flores is the coach of the year and Brian Flores is the next Vince Lombardi and, and he's going to eventually unseat Belichick as the greatest coach of this generation. Like, no, but I am seeing things with this new Dolphins coaching staff that I did not see with the previous one. The previous ones years. were horrible, though. No, so, I so like, that. so our bar again. Of, but with this group of players, on uh, I, I agree. I agree with all of that. It seems like a good culture change, but the bar is so low that even if it's like fifty percent better, that may just be league average. Why That's how just, bad. Why can't we just? Pull? All right, fine. Since you're since you're in such a crummy mood because yeah. of what happened with the Hurricanes, yep. why don't you just vent on the Hurricanes for a few minutes here, Duke? Like Duke, Duke in front of fifteen thousand people at Wallace Wade Stadium. Duke, like I, there's only one good thing that ever happened at Wallace Wade Stadium. I picked up my diploma. That's it. Nothing good happens at Wallace Wade Stadium. Some would argue that that wasn't a good thing. Well, that's a good point. Um, Daniel Jones, the guy is is doing okay in the NFL. You know why? Because he's playing with a horrendous offensive line and no talent around him. You know why? Because he went to Duke and he's used to it. Okay, FIU. I'm not going to trash FIU. They won the game. Miami should not lose to FIU. Six and six. We, like, we were excited about tweets. Hashtag TNM, the new Miami. They're six and six, and they're going to go to a horrendous bowl game where there is a distinct possibility they could lose and finish six and seven. So, personally, the idea that they... that, that see, um, By the way, the big idea behind why Mark Richt was gone and why Manny was brought in is this team was going to finish. This team wasn't going to quit like last year's team. Last year's team, they hit some adversity and they hit the skids. And then this year's team played those juggernauts of FIU and Duke and they just couldn't over... Come on, man. FIU and Duke, University of Miami. Those are the last two games. And they lost? That is just... I'm sorry, but Manny's got to throw somebody under the bus. I'm not saying they should fire him, but that's usually... A sentence that you say when you have to pause and explain yourself as to why you're saying that you shouldn't fire a coach, that doesn't mean you like the coach. Therefore, I'm deeply, deeply concerned about his judgment in hiring of assistant coaches because I have not seen, with the exception of 15 on the defensive line, 15 on offense ain't getting any better, but 15 on the defensive line has gotten better. That's it. That's the player. It's it's been it's been an impossibly difficult season to watch. Just bad loss after bad loss. And then I listened to Manny after the FIU game talk about how we have to always bring the energy and effort and prepare properly to face our opponent, regardless of who they are. And then they go out and lose to Duke. And after the game, after the game, Manny says, I was proud of our effort and energy. No, 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 no. If your effort and energy is not good enough to beat Duke, it was not good enough. Signed a Duke alum. Like, no. I'm sorry. That Duke team was in a free fall. Are you feeling a little better? No. So, so can we do the They're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> How did this end up being an Adam Slayer? No. Oh, let's end this with a shout out to our sponsor, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service it is. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So, in summation, the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl next year, led by all-pro quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, all-pro wide receiver Devontae Parker, and the 
best tight end in the NFL, Mike Gesicki, and the coach of the year, Brian Flores. Yep. And uh, Manny Diaz is going to... Go 0-12. Oh, that's, that's basically what I took out of this podcast. Everybody have a great week. Don't take anything out of podcasts. Just listen. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>